Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning to all of you. As we journey in our Christian pilgrimage, were there times in your life you wish you could dream dreams and see visions? Somehow we think that this will really enlighten our life and cause us to live in a better way. Now, Daniel was one of those rare ones who were given this gift and uh, a privilege. So from the second part of the book, from Daniel chapter 7 onwards, he would be bombarded by all this strange and mysterious vision. And in case we think this was fun and uplifting for Daniel, it was not. Because Daniel 7.15 tells us his spirit was anxious and alarmed. In fact, it ended in verse 28. And I read from the NIV with these words, I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts and my face turned pale. Now, of course, if you put yourself into Daniel's shoe, he didn't have too much of a clue what this vision meant in its entirety. But brothers and sisters, the good news is we do. We have the full revelations of the scriptures and history to help us make sense of all this. So as we unpack this this morning, we should be alarmed and terrified like Daniel because there is a coming day of judgment. But at the same time, we should also be comforted and strengthened because of our hope and trust in Jesus that He welcomes us at the end of the age. So last Sunday, Pastor Edmund Wong led us in the overview of Daniel chapter 7 and which shows us primarily God is still directing the fate and destiny of all nations. And secondly, we're still waiting for a time of judgment. This morning, we will focus primarily on Daniel 7, 9 to 14. And this passage will compel us to focus on the ancient of days and one like a son of man. And as we, as we do so, we will see that our God is totally sovereign and in charge of every sin and unseen powers in this world. Well, one commentator said this, he says, Our eyes will see that while God's people are not spared from pain and trials of life, we need not panic and lose heart. While we may be fearful with life circumstances, we are not frantic and hopeless. For who we see will give us the strength and the confidence on how we should live. So let's get into the passage and to behold two heavenly sin that will unfold in the scripture this morning. The first, the first sin, and I will spend a little bit more time here, so please stay with me. The first is to behold the ancient of days. Let me read from Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 12 in the ESV. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. 
His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. His wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. And as for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Now last Sunday, we saw the revelation of four kingdoms in history that was represented by this terrifying-looking beast that brought great chaos and afflictions on earth. But in today's passage, the scene now changed, and we see the emergence of the fifth kingdom. You'll see in verse 9 how thrones, notice plural, Thrones were bring before the heavenly courtroom and they came before one great throne where the Ancient of Days, God himself, would take his seat. Now, the Ancient of Days literally meant advance of days. You see, the Canaanite mythology uh, tells us the head of the pantheon of gods is El, E-L, and he is depicted as an aged Person. Now, this very mention of Yahweh as the Ancient of Days occurs this only one time in the Bible here. It represents the eternality of God. And in the Old Testament, you will see this similar idea is described as the everlasting King, Psalms 24, verse 7 to 9. The eternal Father, Isaiah 9, 6. Or the eternal God, Isaiah 40, verse 28. Essentially, the meaning of the Ancient of Days is this, the eternality of God and His dominion is contrasted with the temporality of the beasts and their kingdoms. And it will be the final form of world power which is destined to overthrow and utterly destroy all the preceding empires erected by violence, worshipping men. Now, the scripture wants us to see what this Ancient of Days is like and what he will do. So besides the brilliant manifestation of God in pure white hair that represents wisdom that comes with great age, and shining white robes representing uncompromised and radiant purity. Now what must not be missed in this revelation is how the thrones he sat on was flaming with fire. And the wheels on which it rested and moved were all ablaze. Try drawing this on the picture and what it looks like. I think it's going to look like some China movies where all the fierce lights and wheels and fire is just flying all around. But it surely reminds us of Ezekiel 1 verse 13 when he reads, As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire like the appearance of torches moving to and from among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. Now, the scripture continues to unfold for us this ancient of days in verse 10. It tells us how streams of fire issued and came out from before 
him. Now, this represents the fierce heat of his judgment on sin and on all those who oppose his supreme authority. So one commentator said this beautifully. He says that, you know, this is something almost lava-like in the way a river of fire flows from his throne, a river of vast destructive power at which the court of angels marvel. For 10,000 times 10,000 celestial beings stood by for the triumphant judgment of the rebellious little horn. And finally, this sweet and quick judgment is seen in verse 11. And as I look, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. Brothers and sisters, are you still with me? I start to try to get us to behold the ancient of days. There are at least two matters of concern for us as believers in this couple of verses. The first, towards the end of verse 10, the scripture mentioned these words, the court sat in judgment and the books were open. Now, what does this mean? Well, in the last judgment, that is not just for the beast alone, but for all humanity, the books were open, presumably containing the sins of the little horn and all his followers. Now, one commentator is very instructive here, I quote. The Bible mentions several kinds of books, including a record of people's decreed destinies, a remembrance of people's deeds, a book of life, and in the last chapters of Daniel, there are also written records of God's purposes for history. But right here in chapter 7, the content of the books is unspecified. But this immediate shift to the demise of the four bees indicates that the books contain the grounds for judgment. You see, in other words, the bees and all his followers don't get a free pass on this. God will judge according to what everyone has done. Now, in application, this does remind us of Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 to 13, which reads, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Brothers and sisters, there will come a day of divine judgment and reckoning for everyone, the Bible says, according to what they had done. The good news is that those of us whose name is in the book of life, because we believe in Jesus, we enter into an eternal bliss, an eternal fellowship with our God. But for those whose name are not written in the book of life, they enter into eternal judgment and separation from God. Are you prepared for this? Brothers and sisters, you and I have no power whom should be saved or not because salvation belongs to our God. 
but we do have a responsibility to sow the gospel faithfully and urgently. And like what Bishop Solomon said a few weeks ago, don't just speak Jesus, show Jesus. Now, this is the first concern. Can we all stand before God, the throne of God, with a great assurance and peace in Jesus? Now, here comes the second concern found in verse 12. We see something very intriguing in the midst of all the fiery, swift judgment. Verse 12 reads, As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And immediately we ask, why? Why do wicked people still live on? One shot, kill everybody. All is wicked, fellows. Why delay the judgment at all? One commentator said it may be that the unbelieving adherents of the world powers that precede the rise of the little horn are simply reserved for a day of judgment by the returning Christ when they will be sent to the outer darkness of hell. Or else, it might be that these survivors of the judgment of the beast will be moved to repentance and faith and thus be permitted to go on living for some time into the millennium as obedient subjects of the king. I believe in the later. Because the scripture has time and time again. Why judgment is being delayed? Because time and time again, God tells us, I will certainly judge the sin of humanity. But we always see the long-suffering of God. The patience, full of compassion and patience, desiring that none should perish. And therefore, this should help us to quickly repent, turn from our own sins, and at the same time, help others come to receive the love and the compassion of our God. Brothers and sisters, behold the ancient of days. And what's the implication? Take his judgment and compassion seriously, for there are eternal consequences. We move now to the second heavenly scene. And here we, we will behold a son of man. Reading from verse 13 and 14, Daniel 7. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Now with the destruction of the judgment and the destruction of the beast, the vision right now shifts back to the throne room where Daniel right now witnessed the arrival of one like a son of man with the clouds. In Aramaic and Hebrew, the phrase son of man is simply a common expression to describe someone or something as human or human-like. It stands in contrast to the horrible otherworldly beast that rose from the sea. The title son of man is used in the Old Testament in two different ways. First, it is to refer to a mere human being. You read through the book of Ezekiel, and you'll see this phrase, son of man, son of man, repeated about 90 times, 
merely referring to Ezekiel as a son of man, a mere human being. But secondly, it can also be used to refer as a son of man, this son of man as in Daniel 7.13, as a divine being dwelling in heaven with the ancient of days. Now, quite clearly in Daniel 7, this son of man was no ordinary person. He was presented to the ancient of days who awarded him an eternal kingdom and the worship of all nations and peoples of every language. He was given universal and supreme authority. Now, if you recall, if you move back to Daniel chapter 2, which is very much a mirror of Daniel chapter 7, do you recall there was a stone? A stone that was not cut out by human hands, the Bible says, and it struck the golden statue at its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the wind came and carried the chaff away and not a trace of it could be found. And then this stone became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. I remember preaching that text at that time and I reminded you that this is what the New Testament is talking about. Jesus Christ, our King, the living stone, the precious cornerstone that shall rule and reign and trump all his enemies. Now come back to Daniel chapter 7. This Son of Man is no mere created human being or angel, but he will transcend kings and kingdoms and he shall reign and rule over all kingdoms eternally. Now, as we read this as post-New Testament believers, it is not difficult for us to conclude that this Son of Man is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel. After all, Jesus uses this Son of Man title most frequently in the Gospel. For example, Matthew 8 verse 20, And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nets, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. John 1.51, And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Brothers and if we put ourselves in the gospel and the audience, we must understand when Jesus uses the word Son of Man for himself in the gospel, the audience have to decide two things. Number one, is this the usual, ordinary son of man like Ezekiel? Or are you talking about the son of man in Daniel 7 that sits with the ancient of days and reigns with him? Now, we all look at it and we say, but of course, Jesus was both. But it took a lot, a lot, a lot of faith for the gospel here is to believe that this was the Son of Man as in Daniel. And therefore, it's not difficult to understand that towards the end of Jesus' ministry, when he claimed to be the heavenly Son of Man, they all cried out, Blasphemy! Let me show you Matthew 24, verse 29 and 30. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. 
I move to Matthew 26, verse 63 to 65. But Jesus remained silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. My sisters, we now live between the first and second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, where one day the prophecy of Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 shall be further fulfilled in the book of Revelation chapter 19, where Jesus shall come and he will rule and judge the world. Let me read for you uh, Revelation 19, verse 11 to 16. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe deep in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Brothers and sisters, in application, this is the Son of Man. The scripture calls us to behold. And we all know this Son of Man was fully God and fully man. Fully God because so that in his death, every, everything that he did will be acceptable to satisfy the judgments of God. But he's also fully man so that he identifies with all of our pains and suffering in this world. And if we were to accept this act of love and sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and therefore truly worship and follow Him. Then look at the promise that is laid out for us in Daniel chapter 7, verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. This is what Revelation writes too. Revelation 22, verse 3 to 5. No longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of Lamb or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Brothers and sisters, this is our grand promise, inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, we should not be deceived by the pursuit of fame, power, and riches. Instead, yes, what God has freely given to us, we become His good steward and become His good witness. At the same time, we don't have to be afraid of death and diseases in this life. Christians are not exempted from it. But we don't have to be afraid of such death and diseases because we are promised an eternal existence. I pray as we behold this day, the ancient of days, the Son of Man, our fears and our deceptions will melt away as our eyes are open to the true reality of who we are seeing. For who we see will give us strength 
and confidence on how we live. Behold the Son of Man. Worship Him faithfully, wholeheartedly, because one day we will reign with Him eternally. Allow me to close the sermon. Today's passage brings us to the throne room of heaven. And we are compelled to behold the Ancient of Days and a Son of Man. When we behold the Ancient of Days, we need to take His judgment and compassion seriously because they are eternal consequences. But when we behold the Son of Man, we have to conclude that this is no ordinary human being. He is the divine Son of God. Where the Bible tells us every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that He is Lord and King. And therefore, we worship God wholeheartedly and fearlessly because we will one day reign eternally with Him. Let me close with this true story of a couple I met recently and how their lives were transformed. I was preaching at a church camp in June this year and I like to meet up with people during the meal times to hear their redemptive stories. And so this day, there was a couple sitting, and I came a bit late, so I just joined them. And they started speaking to me and sharing their life very openly. So this lady began, he says, you know, in my first marriage, my husband was very abusive. When I was carrying his first child, he left me and abandoned me. And I had to move back to my parents' place and fend for myself. Life was very hard, she said. She said that the, the emotional pain was so painful that she can feel her heart bursting each time. She couldn't eat, she couldn't sleep, and she was getting very, very depressed. Life became very unbearable. And one day, she contemplated suicide. She said that she stood at the balcony of the parents' place, wanting to be free from all her pain and misery. But somehow she managed to say these words. Says, if there's a God up there, please help me. And guess what? Then, then, there was a bird that flew and perched on the balcony. Now, a bird flying there already quite unusual. And she said these words to me, and the bird spoke to me. So in my mind, when going, said, it's not strange, it's not strange. <laughs> After all, there was a speaking serpent in Genesis <laughs> and a speaking donkey <laughs> that caused Balaam not to do stupid things. There was a great fish that swallowed up Jonah. And don't forget, there were the ravens that fed Elijah when he was very depressed. He bought meals for him twice a day, by the way. Huh? Bread and meat, uh, balanced diet. <laughs> so not strange, not strange. The God of the impossible hears the cries of anyone. And the little bird came and spoke. And I asked, what did a bird say to you? <laughs> very, very unusual. What did a bird say to you? And see, I think the bird said to me, said, don't be fearful. Don't be discouraged. In the subsequent weeks, a friend, a Christian friend called her Hey, come to church with me. This friend has not contacted her for a long time. And suddenly says, come to church with me. So it's okay, my friends, invite people to church. And so she went. 
And it was in attending of this church over a couple of times that she gave her life to Jesus. Meanwhile, life began to change for her. She met an ex-boyfriend from a secondary school. And this, he showered so much care, love, and she feels so loved by him. But one day, the boyfriend faced some kind of troubles as well. And, and he said that, um, well, but I know a neighbor. My neighbor is a pastor. All right? So it's good. So he said, let's go and talk to the pastor. And we mentioned the name of the pastor. I said, I know this pastor. Bless his heart. Yeah. And so they met. He counseled them, shared the gospel with them. And this man too came to know Christ. And now they came to this church and they are attending a church camp for the first time in their life. You know, I can just tell you that when I was sitting there listening to them, they were bursting with joy, exuberance, peace, new life in Christ Jesus. It makes me very jealous. Huh? <laughs> Don't you, when you hear people talking like, the life in Christ is like, wow, out of the world. I said, say, Lord, give me this kind of passion. Give me this kind of zeal. Let me not lose this kind of newness that they are experiencing in Christ Jesus. Here was a couple who met the Ancient of Days, the Son of Man, and their life was completely transformed. What about you? Let's pray together. As you bow your heads this morning, I only have time to speak to one group of people. I want to speak to those who have not yet, you have not yet received Jesus or you have never invited Jesus into your life. My dear friends, I want you to know that you don't have to feel miserable or in some kind of trouble to receive Jesus. The Bible tells us God created you to have special relationship with Him. God wants to give you the abundant life. He wants to give you new meaning and purpose that you never had before. I want to remind you today's passage reminds us that there is a final judgment for all mankind. And if your name is not in the book of life, you will be eternally separated from God. I'm not saying this to threaten nor frighten you. But I'm announcing this as good news. Good news. Jesus died for you. And He has reserved a place in heaven for you. My dear friends, all of us will die one day. All of us without exception. And where will you be eternally? The body will die. But the soul lives on forever. So this morning, I invite you. I invite you to invite Jesus into your life. To receive the abundant life He has already gotten for you. And if your heart you says, yes, I, I really want to know this Jesus, invite Him into my life and what journey with Him, then right now where you are, say this prayer in your heart sincerely. Sincerely with me. Don't wait anymore. Just say this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus I invite you into my life today I want you to be my saviour my lord my friend thank you my dear friends if you have prayed this prayer 
then on a count of one, two, and three, I'm going to ask you to be bold and courageous. Just raise your right hand so that I can pray for you. Are you ready? You say this prayer in your heart to invite Jesus into your life. On the count of one, two, three, raise your right hand. I want to pray for you. Ready? One, two, three. Raise your right hand if you want to receive Jesus. Yes, I see your hand right in front. Anyone else? If you want to pray right at the back on my right, there's another hand. Yes, you're inviting Jesus into the most exciting adventure of your life. There's nothing to be afraid, nothing to be shy of. It's the greatest gift that Jesus will give to you. Yes, thank you, Jesus, for these hands that are raised to you. Bless. After the service, don't, don't go away. Just come to the front so that we can show you what it means to begin this vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you. You may put down your hands. Now for the rest of us, brothers and sisters, would you stand together with me now? We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.